The Guardian. Welcome to Science Weekly, where we're continuing to explore issues around the COVID-19 pandemic. During this run of COVID-19 episodes, we've had so many thoughtful responses from listeners. If you've submitted a question or a comment, thank you so much for taking the time. Something we've had a lot of questions and comments about are antibodies. One listener, John Doran, wondered whether antibodies produced in the body will last long enough to be detected. And another listener, Rosemary Ash, who suspects she had COVID-19 a few months ago, asked us if it's now worth her having an antibody test to confirm whether she did indeed have the virus. The issue of antibodies has important implications for our understanding of how many people have been infected with the coronavirus. But it could also help us to answer questions around immunity. Do people who've had COVID-19 once have protection against future infections of the coronavirus? And if so, for how long? The data from really quite a large number of studies now are quite consistent that if you've been seriously ill with COVID-19, your antibody response is, is quite strong. What's also clear is people who've had very, very mild asymptomatic infection have much lower concentrations of antibodies and the fear is that those may wane faster. I'm The Guardian science reporter, Nicola Davis, and this is Science Weekly. On today's episode, we're joined by Professor of Immunology and Infectious Disease at the University of Edinburgh, Eleanor Riley, to talk us through the latest science. Hi, Eleanor. So it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Can you talk us through what the role of antibodies is in helping our bodies fight off illnesses from viruses? And how does it work with other coronaviruses? Antibodies are proteins that are made by uh, cells of our immune system and they are secreted into our blood plasma and so they circulate and they are found in every bit of the body and all of our tissues in the blood. And uh, they can also be produced at external surfaces of the body. So, for example, we secrete antibodies into our intestines and into our mouth and into our noses. And these antibodies these proteins can latch onto or bind invading organisms, including viruses. And in so doing, they inactivate those viruses through a range of different mechanisms. But essentially, they just latch onto the virus and inactivate it. We've heard a lot about antibody testing to see if people have had COVID-19. So presumably, you produce particular antibodies in response to particular viruses. That's true, yes. So a new infection that you get will induce a very specific antibody response that is able to bind very specifically to that virus. But there's also a level of what we call cross-reactivity. So antibodies that are induced by one virus may also bind to other viruses. And when they do so, they tend not to bind quite so well. So they sort of recognise them and go, yeah, you're similar but you're not identical. And sometimes those antibodies can be very useful in preventing an infection that you haven't seen before. And sometimes they're not so good and they may not be very effective. How do you test for them? I mean, there, we know that there are several tests out there 
on the market? Are they looking for different things? Not looking for different things, but doing it in a different way. The basis of any antibody test is very similar. You have your virus or a bit of a virus and you immobilize it some way. um, And then you coat that immobilized virus with serum from the patient. If there are antibodies there, they will stick to the virus. You then wash away the serum that hasn't bound. And then you flood the assay with something that picks up the presence of antibodies. And it's that marker that we look for. So what we're looking for is a marker that says antibodies in the serum have bound to the virus. And there are many different ways of doing that, but the outcome is pretty much the same. You're looking for the presence of antibodies that have stuck to the virus. So in early April, you wrote for The Guardian about how antibody tests aren't perfect, but they may be the way for us to ease lockdown. I'm just wondering, you know, it's taken a long time for antibody tests to really be in use and they're still not commercially available for us just to go out and buy, uh, you know, at the local pharmacy. Are there difficulties in producing these antibody tests that might explain why they're taking so long to become so widely available? Antibody tests for all sorts of viruses are quite problematic in that They don't pick up every positive sample and they will pick up a few that should really be negative and think that they're positive. So these are called the false positive and false negative rates. And overall, they reduce the sensitivity or the accuracy of the test by a few percent. Now, if we're looking at a large group of people, for example, the Office for National Statistics is looking at, I think, 10,000 people every week and they're getting a rough percentage of who's positive and who's negative. And that's actually very useful data. And if it goes up, we know that more people are positive than there were the week before. And if it goes down, it suggests that actually perhaps people are losing their antibodies. The problem is, if I take the test myself, and I get an answer, positive or negative, I can't be certain for me whether that is truly positive or negative, given that this small percentage of tests that are inaccurate. And therefore, for me as an individual, the test might say, well, you might have had it or you might not, but it can't give me that level of certainty that I think is what people are looking for when they want an antibody test. There have been some recent studies, for example, in Spain and Sweden, that have implications for our thinking on the COVID-19 antibody response. What are the findings there and why are they causing a bit of a rethink? The data from really quite a large number of studies now are quite consistent. That if you've been seriously ill with COVID-19, your antibody response is, is quite strong. And we don't yet know how long that antibody response lasts, but our guess would be it lasts weeks, certainly months, quite likely and possibly longer. What's also clear is people who've had very, very mild asymptomatic infection, their antibody responses tend to be much less strong. They have much lower concentrations of antibodies, and the fear is that those may wane faster. Antibodies decay at a very steady rate. They have a half-life. And so the more you start off with, the longer they will last for, the longer they will take to disappear completely. But if you start off with very low concentrations, they can fall below that sort of critical threshold quite quickly. We still don't know what that means in terms of your likelihood of getting the virus again. 
we have no idea whether there is a correlation between that data and your likelihood of getting reinfected. And really, the only way we're going to find that out is if people get exposed a second time. Um, so there is some work going on with healthcare workers at the moment who are sort of likely to be exposed more than once. And we might see from that that people are getting it a second time. But at the moment, we just don't have enough data to answer that question of are you protected, yes or no. Some researchers have said that the level of antibody positive uh, results that they're seeing isn't really going up very much in different countries, suggesting that it could be that, as you sort of talked about before, that people's antibody response is sort of waning over a matter of you know weeks or months. What do you make of that? Certainly the seroprevalence, antibody prevalence in the UK at the moment is not rising very quickly. But on the other hand, we seem in most parts of the country to have got this epidemic under control and the new infection rates are falling really quite rapidly. So I wouldn't actually expect the antibody prevalence to go up. Um, I would expect it to be pretty stable at the moment. If in a few months' time we find we go back and we can't find anybody who's got antibodies, then that would be worrying. That would suggest that people who have had antibodies have lost them. But at the moment, I think it's too early to tell whether people are losing their antibodies quickly or not. And we also don't know whether that matters. Um, Maybe immunity to this virus is mainly mediated through the T-cell compartment. And the other thing is that whilst we make an antibody response when we're acutely infected with a virus, those antibodies do decay. But the cells that are making those antibodies, the factories for those antibodies, they persist for a long time. What we see is when we're re-exposed to an infection is that those antibody factories wake up very, very quickly and start making new antibodies. So your second antibody response will be much, much faster than your first one. And so it's quite possible that you might have quite low levels of antibodies in your blood, but that as soon as you're exposed to the virus again, antibody responses kick in very quickly and protect you. Again, we don't know for certain, but that certainly is how the immune system is designed to work. You talked about T-cells. Can you just explain a little bit about their role in all this? T-cells, on the whole, tend to kill virus-infected cells rather than the virus directly. They can also secrete some proteins that slow down virus replication. But one of the main things that T-cells do is actively destroy any of our own cells in our bodies that are making virus. So the virus goes into our cells and sets up a little virus production unit inside a cell. And the T cells come along and kill those cells and so that the the virus can't replicate anymore. Do we know the relative contribution of antibody and T cell response, how important those two components are in fighting off COVID-19? Or is it just a big unknown at the moment? COVID-19 in particular, no, we don't know. But for viruses in general, we think of high titers of antibodies being important for stopping the virus getting a foothold in our body. So if the virus enters your nose and there's a large amount of antibody already on the surface of of the cells in your nose, then that virus really won't get into the body. It won't get in. It won't be able to set up an infection. So those antibodies can be protective immediately the virus turns up. And that's why it's quite nice to have a large concentration of them in your circulation. But if that response fades over time, which it does, and the virus does get into the body, 
then those T cells are there to wipe out any infected cells. So they act at slightly different stages of the infection. Uh, Antibodies maybe can prevent an infection getting started and T cells shut the infection down very quickly if it does get started. Is there any way of measuring people's T cell response? I mean, we've talked a lot about antibody tests, but could you do some sort of T cell test? Is that another way of looking at this? There are very well-developed and very sophisticated T-cell tests. The main problem with T-cell tests is that you need to take a larger quantity of blood. So you can do an antibody test just on a few microliters of blood you get from a finger prick. To do a T-cell test, you need to take blood from a vein in the arm and you need to take at least five mils, and very often scientists will ask for 15 or 20 mils of blood. And that blood then has to be very, very quickly transported to a lab that's dedicated to looking at T cells. You have to purify the cells, you have to re-stimulate them with bits of virus, and then you have to capture the response. And that can take anything up to a week and cost a few hundred or more pounds per sample um, and requires a lot of very technically skilled people and quite complicated equipment. So it's not something that's easy to do at scale. They're slow, they're expensive and they need a lot of blood. So given where we are at the moment, uh, what do we know about the chances of further waves of COVID-19, so second waves, third waves and so on, based on levels of antibodies that we're seeing in the population? If it were the case that only people who had detectable levels of antibodies in their blood were protected, then our best guess is that 90 plus percent of the UK population is still susceptible. But I think there are lots of bits of evidence now that suggest that's not the case. We know that anything up to 70% of infections can be asymptomatic. My best guess is that if someone had an asymptomatic infection the first time, they would have an asymptomatic one if they were infected again. Whatever it was that protected the first time round is probably going to protect them the second time round. But nevertheless, there will be still a population, and in percentage terms, it might be quite low, but in absolute numbers across the country, it could be quite a large number of people who haven't yet come across this virus, but if they were to come across it, would get seriously ill. Finally, back in April, you said that antibody tests might be a way for Britain to come out of lockdown. But it seems that in many ways, we've started to come out of lockdown before these tests have been widely used. What does that tell us about the usefulness of antibody tests? Back in April, the question that was in the minds of epidemiologists was, is this virus incredibly widespread and has 60% of the population already been exposed? Or is it actually quite focused amongst particular groups or in particular parts of the country and actually a much lower proportion of people have been exposed? We now know from the surveys that have been done that actually pretty much across the country, it's not much more than 10% of the population that's been exposed, maybe 15% in London. So we now know that it's somewhere in that ballpark, not the 60, 70, 80% ballpark that we were wondering about back in April. So we're coming out of lockdown knowing that a relatively small proportion of people have already had this virus. If we had, on the other hand, got an answer that said 70% of people had already had it, I think we might have been coming out of lockdown more quickly and with fewer restrictions on us. So the sort of slow, steady 
exit from lockdown with many social distancing restrictions still in place is informed by knowing that a significant proportion of the population is still at risk. Eleanor, thank you so much for joining us here on Science Weekly. You're welcome. It was my pleasure. Thanks again to Eleanor. We'll be back with another Science Weekly episode in a few days' time. In the meantime, please do keep your COVID-19 questions coming in. Look after yourselves and goodbye. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.